0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. This rich young man has a special place in my heart. I think a lot of people misunderstand him, especially at the end of the story, whenever Jesus tells him this difficult saying, and people make him out to be like too selfish or too greedy to leave his possessions behind and follow Christ. But I think there's a lot more to his his heart and his uh, dedication to God than what seems to be on the surface. I think he was a receptive young man, and he definitely walked away with several lessons from this beautiful encounter. But for our time today, I want to meditate on three specific lessons that I think he walked away with, or three lessons that I know for sure Christ wanted to teach him. So if we can plug ourselves in the story and try to walk away with these three lessons as well. All right, so he comes running and he asks Christ, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And it's not surprising, like we see... All too often, Jesus responds with a question, right? That's like his thing. You ask him a question, he gives you a question right back. And it's because he wants to probe a little bit deeper and not just give you a basic answer, but he wants to make us think. All right, so he says, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. Right? Now that sounds a little strange. Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. So what's Christ really saying here? Is he saying, only God is good, so don't bother calling me good. As a matter of fact, he's actually saying the exact opposite. All right, And if we don't interpret the scriptures through the lens of the holy traditions and the patristics and the church fathers then will fail to comprehend the real meaning of scriptures. And this is why it's so important for us to have the correct lens. I remember several years ago when I was in college, I ran into someone who was a Jehovah's Witness and he was actually using this passage to try to convince me that Jesus was telling this man that he's not God. But let's dig a little bit deeper and see how what Jesus is saying is actually the exact opposite. He's telling him, for you to call me good means that you must believe that I'm good, right? You clearly call me good. Now, Jesus is telling him that only God is good. There's only one who is good, and that's God. So he's telling him, do you really believe that i am good do you really believe that i am the one who is good because if you do if you believe that i am good then it must follow that you believe that i am god because no one else is good but god he is the source of goodness or at least in the sense of absolute good you know we can't be good but we derive the goodness from him and we're certainly not good in the absolute sense of good only god is good in the absolute sense So he's telling him, do you really believe what you're saying? Or is it something you just like might have heard? Is it something that's circulating? Is that the word on the street that there's this good teacher and you're just going along with it and calling me good? Do you really believe that I am God? Do you really believe that you're not just coming to an ordinary person? You're coming to God in the flesh. So the first lesson he wants to teach this young man is to have faith that he is God. Okay? It's to actually depend on him. Christ is our provider. He's our fortress. He's the one we rely on. And we need him. We need Christ. We need God. That's what faith is all about, is to say, God, I depend on you. I can do all things through you. If I have you, then I can do anything. Saint Seraphim of Sarov says, Before anything else, one must believe in God that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Again, he's quoting from Hebrews 11.6. Faith, according to the teaching of Saint Antioch, and all the fathers really, is the beginning of our union with God. This is the beginning. And he says that this faith must come before anything else. Before we approach him, we must believe that he is who he is. We must believe that he is God. We must actually confide in him. The start of our life has to begin with that faith or else we end up relying on ourselves. Right? That's like a common understanding that that we kind of just take for granted. You know, we say, oh yes, I, I need to first believe in God, but then we kind of just brush over it without really committing to God and confiding in God and relying on God. Father Matthew the Poor, in one of his sermons, talks about how the saints became saints. Because of their faith in God. Because they knew that God would provide for them. He spoke about the ascetics and uh, he specifically was meditating on the life of St. Mary of Egypt. And he asks, like, how did she survive in the desert? And I want to just read to you what he says. Because it is just beautiful and he relates it to his own experiences as well, okay? How did she survive in the desert? I'll tell you. God's direct protection. It surrounded her and shielded her from the wild beasts, which came rather to lick her wounds, from thieves, from heat, and from natural hazards. And then he goes to talk about how he had a little taste of this faith, all right? He says, I had a small taste of such things. When I suffered severe lack of food, my body was still somehow satisfied. He goes to talk about how he was living as a hermit during a small period of his life. Well, it was about like 10 years. It wasn't really a small period. But this is a time when he was in complete solitude with God and obviously had to bear all of the severe conditions of the weather and nature. So he says, when the cold grew brutally severe and my circulation slowed down, I still felt warmth. There were times when I had neither food nor clothing nor medicine and survival seemed all but impossible. There was one particularly hard winter that came at a time when I had nothing to wear except a short-sleeved shirt. And I'm telling you, right now, the weather was like 60 degrees in the liturgy this morning. And I had 10 complaints. (laughs) Like, if it drops below 60, we think we're dying. Okay, so this was way worse. Like, in the desert, the temperature drops down to freezing. Like, 10, 15 degrees, maybe even worse at times. Okay, so he says, The cold froze my head and limbs, and my brain was so numb, I couldn't think. But then... By faith, I gradually began to feel as though I were standing in the sun with a full stomach. The sensation made me tremble with fear because I felt at that point that something beyond the norm had entered me. But very shortly afterward, God sent me clothing because I didn't have enough faith to sustain me in that type of life forever. And I actually remember listening to this sermon whenever Father Matthew the Poor was actually giving the sermon because I have the recording. He, he goes to say that when he depended on God, God just provided. But he says that because of his lack of faith, that as soon as somebody actually brought him a jacket, and now he went to depend on what the world has to provide. He, he depended on his possessions. He depended on a, like a physical jacket instead of just relying on God and His grace, he said, that's when I felt cold. That's whenever the brutal pain of the winner came back. Okay? So, he says, the point I want to make is this. The potential power of an intense faith can achieve things inconceivable to the mind. Okay? So, this is... What faith is all about, and we have to start our spiritual life with that. If we don't begin our life just depending on God, we're going to think that we can accomplish everything we try on our own abilities, and we we just set ourselves up for failure. Father Matthew the Poor continues to say a little bit later, a profound relationship with God is composed of fidelity and absolute confidence in God in all affairs, conditions, or situations. This will result in total reliance on Him and absolute surrender to His will, regardless of how such fidelity may collide with so-called reality or reason. Okay? Remember, to have faith in God means to actually depend on Him, to actually rely on Him. So the first lesson we got to walk away with is to rely on God. And we got to ask ourselves whether we're actually running to God with the assurance that he is God, <laughs> that that he's the one that moves all things. Remember this man came running and knelt before him and and he was a good man. Like this was a man of faith, but his faith was not perfect. It was it was still Immature. And Christ wanted to correct And He says, why do you call me good? I know you believe that I'm a good guy, but do you really believe that I am God? Okay? Think about all your struggles. Think about all of those habits you're trying to break, the sins that you're trying to eliminate. Do you really depend on God? Do you depend on Him to change you, to transform you? Or are you trying to just accomplish... Every task on your own. Okay? Think about someone rock climbing. And if he says this is a good rope, right? You know, that that might say something, but what really says this is a good rope isn't just when he verbally testifies that this is a good rope. But when he actually uses it to climb and he's hanging on this rope. (laughs) So it's one thing to say that God is God, but to actually hang on that rope and to depend on that rope and for lack of a better phrase, to put your money where your mouth is, that's what testifies to our faith. All right. Okay, now, where does Christ go from here? He directs his attention to the commandments alright and it's interesting because Christ doesn't even like tell him what to do or he doesn't ask a question he basically like states an obvious phrase like he says you know the commandments it's almost like a self-evident truth he's not telling him anything new right so He goes on to ask him why he calls him good and then just says a very simple self-evident statement. You know the commandments. Like, don't come to me thinking that I'm going to whip up the secret recipe that I'm going to give you like this magic trick and make you perfect, make you holy, make you like St. Anthony and all of the ascetics. What do you want? Like, you have the scriptures. (laughs) And he tells him that he's already got the scriptures in front of him. A lot of times we think that we're we're gonna come to church, even come to the priests, and we have struggles, problems, and like we're looking for a secret. Like, Abuna, tell me how I could like come closer to God. Because I feel like I'm like In this state of limbo, I just take two steps forward and two steps back, and I'm not really making any progress. Like, how can I, you know, increase my prayers and my spiritual life and to come closer to God and to be a good Christian? How can I, like, really live like a good Christian? And, like, as soon as I tell someone, Well, are you reading the Bible? Are you following the commandments? simply just the commandments well yeah but I want something else like tell me like, tell me how I could really be a good Christian like uh, the commandments are just like you know they're what we teach people in Sunday school like you know what's what we teach the third graders a <laughs> lot of times we just belittle the commandments in that sense Father Matthew the poor says faith means that man submits his whole being to God and therefore to all his commandments. This is to be done in love and obedience and not by reason or logic. Okay. One figure that comes to mind is Saint Porphyrius. He was a great saint. He performed a lot of miracles. He had this gift of clairvoyance and he knew future events. Like People would come to him and they're rehearsing what they're going to say. They're thinking about how they're going to present their problem to him, and he would tell them their problems before they would even speak. So, this was a holy man, okay? He entered the monastery when he was young, like 12 years old, or I don't know the exact age, 12 or 13, 14, but he was young. So, he talks about how he began his life on the right path, and that's what led him to the level of sanctity that he has and the gifts that he has today. He says, Obedience. What can I say? I truly knew the meaning of that word. I abandoned myself to obedience with joy and love. It was this absolute obedience that saved me, and it was on account of this obedience that God gave me this charismatic gift. Yes, I repeat, I was utterly obedient to my elders not forced obedience, but with joy and love. This blessed obedience benefited me greatly. It changed me. I became wise, quick and stronger in body and soul. It made me know everything. I must glorify God day and night for granting me the possibility of living in this way, in this life. Other things that God has given me in my life came on their own. But the gift of clear sight was given to me by God on account of obedience. I can't think of a single saint that didn't become holy on account of obedience. And if we think that it's a small matter, we fool ourselves. Like Obedience, as simple as it is, just to listen to our parents. For children to say, yes, mom, yes, dad. <laughs> and for spouses to say, yes, to the husband or the wife and for us to say yes to our father of confession like when he tells us to do this or to do that and we simply comply not to force ourselves but out of love out of faith to know that God is directing us through his servants the clergy, the people in our lives and remember when this man told Christ sure I've been keeping the commandments. I've been doing this and this and this and this and this from my youth. Did Christ say, well, I mean, anybody could do that, no big deal. Like I don't really find that to be special. No. (laughs) The scripture says, He looked at Him and loved Him. He looked at Him and loved Him. I want Christ to look at us with that same love. And of course his love is unconditional, but there's something special when he finds his children obeying him. There's something that's magnificent. There's something saintly about obedience. So we can never belittle it. Okay? So that was the second lesson that he wanted this young man to walk away with. To be obedient. To continue on this path that he's already walking along. Alright? Then what does he tell him next? He says, One thing you lack. He says, You're okay. You're fine. But I want you to be perfect. I want you to be like St. Mary and St. Anthony. I want you to be like St. Athanasius. I want you to be like... Every single martyr, like St. George, like, I want you to be like my Heavenly Father. I want you to be like me. I want you to be perfect. And this man was seeking that. If we seek perfection, God will tell us, okay, this is what you're lacking. Christ wanted to perfect him. He doesn't say, well, you're following the commandments. It's fine. Right? And you're on the right track. It's fine. Just stay where you are. Why do you want to grow? You know, why try to do more? You're a servant in the church. You're coming to liturgy. You're coming to teach Sunday school. You're giving your tithes. Enough. You're good. No. Christ wants us to be perfect. He says, be perfect as I am perfect. Be holy as I am holy. That's why he says, go your way. Sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come, take up your cross and follow me. He directs his attention to what he's lacking so that he can be perfect. And what he's lacking is that sacrifice. See, this man was on the right path. He's on the right road, but... He didn't truly offer his life to God. And Christ wants to elevate us in that same way. He wanted to elevate this man to this level of perfection. And it's only possible through that sacrifice. It's only possible by taking up our cross and crucifying ourselves with Christ. That's perfection. Apart from the cross, there is no such thing as perfect. Apart from love and sacrifice, forget perfection ever coming near your door. Father Matthew the Poor says, Never imagine, beloved brethren, that voluntary death or the death of one's private will is an easy matter or a simple drill. It is, in fact, tantamount to physical death. There exists no work that can match the act of voluntary death. In this act, man crucifies himself on the cross of Christ. So, when we offer our time, our energy. We offer our will to God and say, not my will, but your will be done. That's that voluntary death that he's speaking of. He says, I'll tell you a secret. Each time a man dies to his own self, each time he denies it and abdicates it in honor of Christ's cross and in love for his redemptive person, he undergoes further adherence to the crucified Lord. He comes closer to Christ. He comes closer to the Crucified One. And actually partakes of the glory of His immaculate crucifixion in the Spirit. Every time we set aside our will and our ego. And we don't feel like doing something, but we do it out of love. Every time we don't feel like listening, but we listen. Every time we feel like retaliating and like, I'm going to get my rights. I'm going to step on Him like He stepped on me. Every time we crucify our ego that same way, come closer to Christ. I remember Mother Teresa was talking about her ministry in an interview. And the person interviewing her was telling her that, you know, you're talking about love and sacrifice, but you know, you're not like really suffering like these people and she responds and says well that's why we have to step outside of our comfort zone and to tend to the poor and the needy because the poor and the needy, the ones who are sick are Christ so we have to suffer with them and he goes on to tell her well you're not suffering like they're suffering You want to serve them, but you're not suffering with them. And she says, yes, but through service, we can't partake of that suffering. Through laying down our life and setting our egos off to the side and sharing in their sufferings, we carry our cross with them. And then the the guy interviewing her and. I remember Father Thomas Hopko is telling this story, and he says that the guy was just furious at this point. Like, he's trying to tell her, but you are not suffering. Like, you are not sick. You don't have cancer like these people. You're not carrying that same cross. And then she goes on to tell him, it's because I'm not worthy to suffer. And to her, those afflictions the pain, the sicknesses of the people that she was serving was a glorious cross, was like the, the gift that God gave to His own children, a gift that she said she wasn't worthy of. And we think of the cross in that way, will transform the way we live. We think of love and suffering, As a gift from God, laying down our own life as an act of love. We'll follow the footsteps of the saints. Saint Silouan says, the greater the love, the greater the suffering. So this this is the final instruction that Christ was giving this man. Is to be perfect, to love, to sacrifice in the same way that Christ loved and sacrificed Himself for us. That love is only possible through the cross. So we have to ask ourselves, we have to ask ourselves if our Christianity exists with conditions, or if we're willing to lay down our life at Christ's feet, at His cross. Think about where your love may be lacking at this time what are what are you holding back? Like, are there any reservations? Do you have reservations in laying down your pride? Do you have reservations in sacrificing your time and your energy in praying and reading the scriptures and standing before God with your adbeya open? Do you have reservations in loving and forgiving the people that are irritating you, even like your own family members? Do you have reservations in serving, like stepping outside of your comfort zone, especially in this season where so many people have the holiday blues and now with the pandemic people feel even a greater weight of loneliness do you give your whole heart to your family your spouse your children like so many parents that i talk to i know are just burnt out they're burnt out of carrying that cross where their kids are always nagging and they have no energy and they're running on like five cups of coffee a day but with endurance we'll find the grace that's hidden in the cross. That's where our perfection lies. Today, we actually commemorated the, the life of St. Saint Saint James the Persian. And he's one of my favorite saints. At first, he, he was raised as a Christian and then he was enticed by the emperor to betray his faith. His family sent him a letter and told him, like, if you betray your faith, then we don't even know you. <laughs> and then, that convicted him, he changed. He went to the emperor, confessed his faith and the emperor tried to bribe him, it didn't work and he tried to torture him and he would cut off a part of his hand and then he would throw him back in prison and every time that the emperor would torture him, he'd go back to God and say, forgive me that I don't have hands to raise before you. Forgive me. Like He's not saying... Why are you persecuting me and allowing me to suffer? He's just bracing himself for the glory that's awaiting him, the glory that's found in the cross. And he's humbling himself to say, God, I wish I could lift up my hands before you. And when they would cut off his feet, and he couldn't stand in prayer, and he would come back, and they would throw him in prison, and he would say, God, I wish I could stand before you. I wish I had feet to stand before you, but forgive me because I can't stand and offer you a sincere heart, a sincere act of worship. To him, he wanted to sacrifice his whole life to the extent that when he wasn't able to stand before God and offer that sacrifice, when he wasn't able to raise his hands before God and offer that worship, He felt embarrassed. He felt like he was lacking. I look at my own life and I have to ask myself, if I'm on this path and do I wish and desire to offer my life to God in this same way? Do I desire to walk down this path of perfection? This is the final lesson that God wants to leave us with. It might seem impossible. but Remember, this passage concludes with more talk about faith. Right? His disciples are shocked that He would say this difficult instruction and they say, How? How can we do this? He says, With God, it's, it's possible. You're, you're trying to do it on your own and that's just impossible. But with me, it's possible. So remember, to confide in God. Remember to commit to Him with our whole heart and to Him is due all glory forever and ever. Amen.